You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation with Lizzie Rose, who, amongst many things, is an exorcist. Let's see what Lizzie has to say. Here we go. Because we've certainly got a few questions to ask you. So, Lizzie, on your website, it states that you're an exorcist, and that fascinates me. Many will be familiar with the Hollywood definition, but can you actually describe what it means to be an exorcist? Yeah, yeah, it's um, I know I, you make me think about the Hollywood definition when you say that, and how how all those movies um come about, and some of them are incredibly accurate, and others are just ridiculous. But um, look to me, I want to redefine the word exorcist as well or exorcism because. If we look through, you know, what it represents and uh, in dictionaries and so forth, or Wikipedia and all this, it's, it always relates to demons. And uh, yes, there's that side of it. But to me, to exorcise is to remove something that is negative, that shouldn't be there, that is causing that person or that place um, grievance in some form. So, you know, as an exorcist here, I work with so many different levels of removing those entities or those energies, everything from as simple as, um, you know, regular trauma that somebody has or emotional upset or head headaches or back pain or, um, you know, if it's not from a typical injury, if it's unexplained, if medical, we, you know, we've exhausted all avenues and people will come to see me. So it can be... Um, as, as simple, in a sense, not for the person, but as simple for me as uh, removing that or as high-end and there's sort of all, again, these levels or steps that I, I speak of until we get to um, demonic or variants of demonic energy. Yeah, so it's, it, it's a big... I think everybody thinks exorcism, always demon, you know, there's one way and that's it and there's no other, you know, and it's, from my work, it's very, very different to that. So have you ever found that you've been in a position with the exorcisms that was uh, uncomfortable or even a bit scary? Um, yeah, you know, definitely when I was younger and I've seen things when I was 16 and um, 17, there were definitely points in my life that was, um, you, you know, and, I, and I guess I'm a bit of a sceptic too because I'll see things that are unexplainable, um, but I know that I've seen them, you know, because I'm witnessing them myself, but I'll still, still sort of be like, well, where did that come from? And is it? And I think it's that the human mind that it just at times does not want to believe that there is something so dark and there's another presence as such in, in this life that really does exist that can do some horrible things or some really dangerous and tricky things that are just unbelievable. So, you know, I have, over the, the course of this career, seen lots of different things. And um, I'd say probably the most scariest would be anything to do with psych hospitals, um, criminally insane institutions, particularly left dormant, the older the better for activity. Um, you know, a lot of institutions that are sort of closed down and untouched for 80, 90 years, if not longer, and um, have had repeated patterns of hundreds or if not thousands of people abused over a long period of time. Um, that is when you would have the, the most scary situations, um, generally sort of speaking, if I look at look back at my cases. So, you know, that's... Um, you're also in, of course, buildings or places or underground that is very hard to get out of. So I think it's more, you know, yeah, thinking of the logistics there of just, you know... I, I've had security go with me to certain um, 
cases and, and I turn around and they've gone, they've taken off, they've ran, you know, these big burly men and they're just running up <laughs> hills and stuff to get away because of what they've seen. Um, and so it is scary in that degree because you can be locked into places. I've been locked in tombs, locked in cemeteries, locked in graves. Really? Um, Jeez, yeah. Yeah. So that's scary more from not the demonic side of things, but just, you know, will this situation take my life? You know, will I not be able to breathe or, you know, not Yeah, the claustrophobia of it would be horrendous, to be frank. I mean, I yeah. suffer from claustrophobia, and I went on an MRI machine only a couple of months back, and it was one of the worst things I've ever been through, and that was a bloody MRI machine, so I couldn't imagine what it would be like to be locked in a tomb. It, it absolutely, and I agree. I had that MRI experience, and I don't like it either. It's it, And I am claustrophobic, and I'm... <laughs> Scared of heights and scared of um, you know being again like in tunnels or anything that's closed and you can't. Be. So I've got the extremes there that I just genuinely fear, nothing to do with demons, but add a, a demonic entity or, or you know a haunting. Yeah, and it can be um, you know because you're obviously you're thinking about your own life and your exit point and you know reducing the panic, but at the same time you're dealing with something that's otherworldly. And I, I've been warned too that that brings me to um, think of certain situations where I've been. Um, warned from the other world, the other side, to get out, to stop doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, if I keep going, you will you will be removed. So it's yeah, there is a there definitely is a risk, but I find it so fascinating. You know that there are these other energies. You know, it's just really incredible. I think it's it's fascinating. It's very real to me, and they have. Um, all different languages, they have all different sounds, smells, shapes, forms. They're, they're able to manifest what I see, again, generally speaking, if I look over my cases and a few cases that, that come to mind, is they'll often manifest or shape-shift into what that person, that human, um, dreads the most. And I find that's really fascinating from an exorcist point of view because, you know, it's you know, if you see snakes or you see certain things, it's like, oh, hang on, it's actually not a snake. You know, it's just this entity, this energy manifesting that. So how much are they in touch with that that person's mind? You know, how much are they feeding off of their thoughts? Or, you know, and that's just, you can't make that up. You know, you can't, um, as cases where I go to, I went to an aged care centre on the weekend for a case and, um you know, this particular lady opposite the case I was seeing hasn't spoken for like 20 years and yet she will manifest in her mind certain fears and the entity that is present in that building will appear as those fears. Now, the woman hasn't been able to speak. She's never told a human soul because she can't actually talk. She's dumb. You know, so... And when other people are seeing that, how can they... I always say to people who are a bit sceptical, well, that's something you can't... You can't make up, you, and you can't. How can you explain it? You know, you've, you've got everybody seeing these particular things that this woman is scared of, and and I can communicate and see that they are very genuine fears. So it's just fascinating. Yeah. So why do otherworldly beings get such a kick out of scaring the living daylights out of us here in this dimension? I think some cases it's it's just a play, and again, if I look because there's so many different cases that if I just generalise, I'm just sort of pouring over my 20 or so years of cases and just pinpointing certain things for you. And it feels to me from my experience that they'll play on 
um, the energy. So a demon or an entity or, or entities or fragments of entities even or lower level demons which are very animalistic in nature, it's a real taunting. They don't particularly or commonly possess someone to kill them. It's very rare, you know, I just want that body, that's it, I'm just going to wipe you out, you're just going to die. It's, it's, a, it's a game and it's a feeding and initially it's just seeing energy. So there is that play, I think, in that energy when, um, not with all situations, but ones that are really cheeky and really, um, really dangerous and really mental, they sort of work on a mental level, that is when that play and... Um, e even that assessment or diagnosis is very difficult because they will play with that person's mind so much that the way that that person will manifest their symptoms is very similar to schizophrenia or bipolar or you know the lower level even depression. So, you know, there's so there's a real fine line, and I think um, they build up some sort of relationship from from my experience with that energy, and it depends. Again, not, not in all cases, but in some, there's a real bonding, a real clicking, and it's as if one feeds the other. And it, it, that's very hard to extract because the energy, and again, a demon or demonic presence just sees energy. So it doesn't actually, if you're working, sometimes I have to work through the eyes of the source. So just like when I work on crime scenes, to find the location of a dead body or the criminal that has, um, the perpetrator who's killed or maimed this person, I have to go into channel, become part of their spirit or soul or centre space, which is in the solar plexus, the sternum bone, the centre of the rib cage, look through the eyes of that person or energy and see outwardly what they've done. So you become the killer as such for a period of time to get the information. And when you do that with a demon, I've noticed um, to a degree, a very lesser degree, because it's very dangerous to do that. You can get taken yourself. Well, okay. But I see, um, yeah, what they're looking at is very different to when I work with a killer. You know, a killer will see the human form, male or female, and, and everything else. It's quite horrible, but it, it's very human. Even if it's a schizophrenic, an absolute a person who's lost, every sense of, you know, intellect and, and morals, they're still seeing that victim as a shape of a human. It talks and walks like a human. The demon doesn't. It sees just colours, and it's like looking at a plasma electric-type light, if you like, that goes in all different directions with all different colours and all different rays um, and threads, and they just see that, that energy. So they, they play on that energy, and they're in that body, they're in that host, to gain that energy. So to me, there's that play of breaking that energy down to rebuild it because it's like getting a bit of a turbo boost, a bit of a recharge. So it's a real, um, whether they knowingly, and I think some do knowingly have some sort of idea that they're doing that and others don't, uh -huh. uh, depending on where they come from. But it, I see that pattern. You know, it's a, it's a breaking down. and it's So if you're human, uh, to make sense that that has been quite, quite if that human is possessed, and you're that demon, and for 10 days they've been quite quiet, um, you're in bed, sleeping, or just not, not doing much, not eating much, not ambulating, not, um, they haven't got much energy, the, you'll find the demonic presence will build up an energy to sort of you know, wake them up and alert them to, right, show me your energy, you know, give me a bit of a boost here, or there's no point, I can't feed off of you, I can't maintain my own life. So um, hence psychotic episodes that you often... Uh, see with people when 
say, you know, but the person's been quiet for two weeks and all of a sudden they stand up, scream and jump out a two-storey window. You know, that's in that sense because that energy is pushed and pushed and pushed to to regain energy. So, yeah, it's, it's quite complicated and it's sometimes hard to explain. So I hope I'm trying to make sense of a very... No, you made sense of a very complicated subject better, actually, yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. So... Yeah. You know, I, I had an experience when my father passed away, and I think uh, I didn't have a great relationship with my father, but when, when he passed away, he gave me a bit of a glimpse of what it was like on the other side, and it was the most superb feeling that I've ever felt, ever. Nothing even comes close to even trying to be able to describe what he, he gave. He gave me a little bit of what Eckhart Tolle refers to as an enlightenment, and it lasted about three or four weeks. Um, it just felt like everything made sense, you see, and... Um, I often wonder why these entities, if that's available to them, why do they bother hanging around here? I mean, God, we're a fairly low level. I mean, our biological environment is stunningly diverse and it's beautiful, but we as humans can be very dense and uh, very complicated. So I just wonder why they want to hang around when I myself have had, a, have had a bit of a taste of what's beyond in the next dimension. Why would you stay here when you can go to that? And th this is the thing, I don't think they can because, um, again, for the most part, <coughs> oh, sorry, let's clear my throat. For the most part, um, I, I see when I'm battling these sort of energies that where they're banished to is never the higher realms. There's never a, a, a place in that exorcism where it's, you know, they're enlightened or I can pass them off into the light. So, And a lot of people have that, um, you know, that expression that, oh, you'll just go off to the light and it's all sunshine and fluffy bunnies and, you know, you can cast them to heaven or whatever you believe heaven to be. And it just, with demons, it doesn't... They just do not go to a nice place, and I don't think they're in a nice place to begin with, and they're sort of bound. There's all these yes dimensions, levels, other galaxies, other terrain that I yeah, see at sure. times. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But it always feels, um, you know, dark and heavy and unorganised and stuck. So there is a feeling of... Um, those presents certainly being stuck and, and also to possess someone from looking again through their eyes or their energy outwardly because they don't all have eyes but, but you know, in saying it like that is it takes a whole pile of energy and this is, I talk about this with a lot of journalists with hauntings, you know, when people walk into a haunted property and they do all their experiments and their research and they bang around with historians and it's very fascinating and they've got a genuine sight and they call up and call up and call up this energy and then you hear, you know, knock three times if you hear and, you know, somebody appears and then everybody packs up and goes away. It takes so much energy just for a gentle spirit who's left their body and stuck in a place to actually make that contact to, you know, when pictures move, when chairs move, when doors slam of their own accord, music turns on and off just in a haunting it is a massive amount of energy that that presence has had to build up to make that happen. And when you're talking demonic, it's the other extreme. It takes So, so they could wait you know, a thousand years in our time, oh, hundreds of years, so much more just to actually manifest enough to possess to the level of a full demonic possession. So it, they're certainly not coming from a place that's free range, if you like. I noticed that... Um, there's no mixing, you know what I mean? Wherever they've come from, it seems to be where I send them back. It's not... Uh, whereas if you work with angels or nature spirits or, um, you know, they, they sort of... They can go up, they can go down, they can go to different places, but it's not the sense for the demonic energy. It definitely is 
yeah, they're, they're not, they don't have that option to go somewhere better, like you're saying with your beautiful story, which is so lovely that you experienced. I was, I was totally captive to it as well. It was just so wonderful from the perspective that it wasn't a conscious thing. It wasn't something that I was selecting. It was something that was happening to me. I'm just sad that it didn't last longer. Like what I totally under, I, I, never, I wasn't, I've always had a deep spiritual connection with the cosmos, but I, when it happened to me, um, I just wanted it to keep going, but then it bloody wore off. I don't know how else to describe it. And then I had to, I took about a month off after my father passed away just to process everything and all the rest of it. And uh, as soon as I went back into work, it disappeared. And I was like, oh my God, I wanted to bring this thing with me and try to enlighten people as well, you know? And um, yeah, I just, I just, and I have these wonderful vivid dreams and I can fairly easily get into, I wouldn't call it a trance space, but I do tarot card readings and I get these wonderful mental images. And so I just assume that it must be like that for everybody. But from what you're saying, um, gosh, it, it's it's quite an interesting thought, really, isn't it? It's quite interesting to, to understand, okay, that some of these demonic entities, they don't have the ability to pass on to, to, the, to the higher light or to another dimension. They're stuck. How do they get stuck? Exactly. Exactly. And I see some that have been human. You know, over and over and over, and they've they've been here and repeated their lessons for thousands of years as a human being on this earth plane or other planes, and they've been a different, you know, not human, but but certainly um, not demonic and um, not enlightened. And they just they get to a point where they're just not learning. They've turned sour. They've um, a lot of again criminally insane. Um, extreme murderers, you know, serial killers, uh, pedophilia, a lot of the real dark humans that have manifested that energy over and over and over in many lifetimes and just have not learnt any better, they tend to, uh, I've noticed some of those then become a demonic source or, or minor sort of demonic source as in they just manifest to that, that they've lost all human understanding or memory. And that does seem to be apparent, so they're not passed on for whatever reason, they don't get it. And then other energies, again, that have not at all been human, and they're just... Uh, they're not, I know that, um, just to explain it, that when I go through the deep trance channeling, like speaking of mediumship, if you talk about when you're channeling, um, say even your father as an example, if we were sitting here doing a mediumship trance channeling to communicate to him, and he was still uh, available for us to communicate to, I know even as a deep medium, there's so many dimensions and levels. I'll go up to 11, 12, you know, 13. There's all these layers. And I know there's thousands above that that I don't see. So if I'm not seeing it, you know, there's so much more that um, that is just out of our reach at this level. And, and, being, and even when you can tra channel really deeply and leave your body, you know, to a degree for a few hours or even a day, it, you still, I come back and I think, Gee, I've just touched the surface, you know. So there is so much more, and I know that when you're channeling um, a human that is, you know, just a you know good guy, bad guy, happy girl, whatever, you know, but they had their ups and downs. But they're human; they're not demonic. They haven't been a horrible person. That they they go up. There's definitely an ascension, not a descension, and there's a level of where they're just gone, or there's a level where they sort of sit energetically in spirit where you can draw them down to communicate, which is so beautiful. But on the other end, when it's demonic, there is no up. It's either out or down, and there's no... Um, 
end game, you know. So, and these other dimensions, there's lots of battles. I know that we have seen lots of battles with different energies, different rulers, kings, queens, whatever you want to call them, from different worlds that um, aren't human. And there is a casting out. So, you know, I'm not um, religious or, or biblical in any way, but I did study it when I was young, and and there is a lot of similarities here. So, you know, angels being cast out of heaven. Um, and you know, sent down to the earth plane and beneath the earth plane to the core that will not be able to ascend until they clean up themselves you know, and clean up their act. And that seems to have a bit of a common thread that I do see, not so much the angelic, but the energy that is definitely unable and I think very frustrated and very aware because even just energy that is like a black ink blob in water that's just a massive yuck is still has that understanding. You feel it when you work with it. It's like it wants to, it's resisting and it's sort of like a, a spoilt child that's trying to, you know, rebel against you, but it's because it, it can't get back to where it felt enlightened, where it felt um, acknowledged. So there is a real separation. So something above us and something else in other worlds does control, judge and demonise, if you like, which is an interesting word, but, you know, those entities and energies and that is a very real thing and I, I think that's um, incredibly fascinating and why will some evolve you know stronger why are some the way that some appear is like a jinn or if you work with something that's in its full form you know and it will say its name and it will make a full apparition of what it is um, why has that demonic presence become so much more than the lesser entities and energies? Is it just like the human race in, in a sense of, you know, there's a hierarchy? Um, do they evolve as well, but in a darker place? You know, it's fascinating. Sounds like you're almost offering the mentorship or I don't know, I don't know how else to describe it, but you're, you've almost got a gift where you can say to these entities, hang on a sec, it doesn't have to be this way. There is another way to be. Yeah. And, and this, Again, that part of exorcism where you're calling out and separating. And I've got a big um, beef that I wanted to sort of share with the world with just the understanding for those that are interested of when you're exercising those entities and having those conversations of such because you can't just... It's like going into, again, a place that's haunted and raising everything and smoking this and burning that and throwing water and saying a whole pile of rituals. You are still calling out that presence and there is a form of communication just like we're having now. And there has to be some sort of understanding between the two of you, whether you like it or not, whether they're horrible or not, that gets them or it to a point where it's then okay to release. You know, it, just go and get out, you know, that's it. And, and this is where it's dangerous in exorcism if the priest or practitioner or, or home exorcist doesn't know what they're doing and they're exercising the entity whilst directing all that energy at the victim, at the host. That's when there, there can be death or, or brutal, you know, inflictions on that person. So it is a calling out, a separating of the energy aside or above or behind that person and then attacking it, but attacking it from an intellectual, like you're saying, there is that, um, in most cases, there's some sort of, you know, it's, it's not like a human conversation, but it is a, a conversation of sorts of, you know, it'll sort of say, well, I'm going to go over to this side of the room, what are you going to do about it, you know, as in the sense of where it moves, and there is a game, there is sort of like a, I have to be quick, I have to be on guard, I have to be, and that's why I call it a battle in a way, because I have to be very aware of 
um, its taunts and its changes of manifestation while we're having this altercation. But I do know, no matter whether they're full on or whether they're slight, they enjoy. Again, it's an energetic exchange and they're just working off of my energy and there's some sort of pleasure, um, even if it's horribly dark, there's some pleasure that is gained from my continual exchange, which is probably about 45 minutes to an hour typically, with just that energy. And the victim's forgotten. The host, that body that's laying there, that person is usually just in another place quite restful and a little unaware. So that does occur. Yeah, there is a real um, understanding and and then that banishing occurs. And it, it, a lot of uh, people ask me as well, do you see the same entities or demons return? You know, if you've exercised them, wouldn't, you know, where, where do they go and can they get back? And it's very, very, very rare to actually see um, a similar presence or, or one of its kin, you know, if you like. Like with the jinn, I'm thinking there with the Egyptians and the Muslims. I work with um, the Arabs a lot. And uh, the jinn, the Turkish uh, people, are definitely cursed by this jinn in history. And you'll see its form again. And it's like, oh, are you a cousin or a brother? Or, you know, you're, you're very similar, but you're not the same. Um, so, yeah, how does that work? You know, do I banish them? And are they then in some way communicating and then they'll track down that soul again? Um, I believe if the exorcism and the warding and the protection and everything you do, there's so much that goes into it for that person after the exorcism is paramount to protecting them from having that happen to them again. So it can be stopped for life, but um, it, it is, yeah, it's, it's um, again very interesting, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's fascinating stuff. Gosh, I could honestly, um, I could talk about this for hours. So um, I might, have I got time for one more question? Sure, sure, yeah. What role do drugs and alcohol play in attracting this type of energy? And again, it's a great question, and I was going to end with that when I just um, thought of what I was saying there about energies coming back, mm -hmm. that, you know, you can ward and protect and exercise and just completely eliminate that disease and that entity of possession, and then most people, of course, will not go out and look for that to happen again if they've got their wits about them. That's the last thing they ever want anything to do with. But every now and then you will have someone who, yes, is an alcoholic or, or is, you know, particularly this ice addiction. There is oh, a... It's insidious, isn't it? Oh, it's mm. just so sad and so horrible. And I'm starting to sort of see, I've written a few programs here, which is basically a ritual to remove the program or desire to desire ice. Mm. And I've tried it on about 17 kids now, as in teenagers, 13 to about 21. Um, and all of them no longer want ice. They have no desire. But I've also seen the other side where there's a couple of these um, people and, um, oh, my God, what's that football player who's in a lot of trouble oh, all ben the time? Cousins. Ben Cousins. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. He, um, he has now an entity that has been produced or attracted or somehow manifest out of an addiction, a drug addiction that is now attached to him. And it will grow and fester if he doesn't deal with it. So that's, I'm finding that interesting that, yes, drugs and alcohol does play a part, as do Ouija boards, seances. Yeah. Um, you know, people calling up the devil. Lots of schoolgirls will sit there and... Really? They play yeah, with that? Jesus, yeah. 
yeah, it's a joke, you know. They'll say, come on, you know, come over kids, you know, 15-year-olds. And I see a lot of it, particularly the Catholics for some reason, um, and get called out and somebody's up in the attic and, you know, and they're having a bit of a joke and a bit of a slumber party and they, come on, devil, enter me, you know, be with me, let's have some fun. And it's just all over alcohol and a bit of a laugh. And, of course, somebody gets, not always, but can get affected and their whole life changes. So, yeah, it, it really is a doorway. And I find, again... The darker the world that the human works in or plays with and the lighter. So again, this is a, again an interesting extreme that a nun or a monk or someone on the other end of the scale who is extremely peaceful and enlightened, you would think, well, nothing would want to touch them. But I see the extreme again in energy. A demon will find where there is a massive amount of dark energy in a human that is just they can feed off of, they can feed off of that problem, that growth of darkness, or the opposite end. Someone who is, <clears throat> excuse me, again, very, they're sort of sparkling. They've got all that gold and that white and that, you know, it, they're led to the colours, to the energy, to the vibration. They're yeah. not led, you know, because it's a nun or because it's a kid or a footballer that's got a ha habit, you know. Yeah, you're, um, so, you're so right there. It's a vibration of the individual, isn't it, of the person that they're attracted to? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, not, so not, that's why. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's not. It's I, not about what they do, not what their profession is, not about what family they come from. It's their individual vibration as a personality, isn't it? Exactly, and that's why I think um, just generalising that corporate world. If I just look at the corporate world, the sort of nine to five, as I call it, but you know, it's probably a bit different these days. People work longer, but that whole you know, middle class to upper class that just is very much, you know, where you were with the Telstra, you know, all those sort of people that are just, you know, plugging away in the system, doing their job. They don't look for those extremes. They're not extremely up there with the enlightenment. You know, they're not going up to caves for 40 days and fasting and reaching, you know, a, a, a sort of a beautiful private state. And they're not, you know, messing with the hard drugs. And people in that world, you'll hear them go, I don't believe in it. Because it is very, very rare that a demon or entity, what's it going to get off of someone like that? They're just going through the motions of life. There's no buzz. You know, so it's, you know, it can happen, but it's extremely rare in that sort of pocket of society or class. And I find that fascinating, absolutely fascinating, you know, that that's um, the case. Yeah, it, yeah. It, is. it makes sense. that If you lead a normal life, why, why would an entity be attracted to you? You know what I mean? If you've got, you know, your two, like I do, your two kids and you go to work and you, you lead a, you know, you might have a few bevies on the weekend or what have you, there's not really a lot of excitement for some of these entities that you're talking about to be attracted to it, is there? That's right, Exactly. Exactly. There's no sort of reason. Um, and, and if anything, they would get bored with your energy. There's nothing, you know, wrong with your energy. But from their point of view, it's not. They look for extremes. So, um, and this is why I maintain that, that quest when I'm teaching students about balance, you know, the balance of be light and fairy and have fun and explore. But also we're human, we're spiritual beings, but we're in human form and you know, have the balance of life and work and, you know, if you keep and try to maintain your balance and keep your wits in both worlds, you'll unlikely be affected by something as horrible as a demon. I, I feel like we only just got started, to be honest, but I better let you go. Uh, it's been fascinating. There's a lot of insight. I know I'm going to listen back to this one a lot, this discussion a lot, because I know that there's been a lot of things that you've mentioned and you've communicated. And I want to thank you so much for being so open. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with exorcist Lizzie Rose for the Scars and Guitars podcast. 
Thank you so much for listening.